Welcome, beautiful people to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was and the only podcast you will ever need. Today's episode is entirely dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement, but specifically for how our industry responded to what's been happening around the world over the past week. But first, I want to get into a few updates from last week's show. First of all, being the huge scoop that was teased by Zenji Nishikawa. Um, and last week, we, we, we had spoke about what this could possibly be. Speculation being that, you know, Sega's entering into some sort of deal with Microsoft uh, for licensing the Xbox Series X for sale in Japan. It's going to be called the Sega Series X. Microsoft is buying Sega. Sony is buying Sega. All these different... Sega's making the Dreamcast Mini. All these different speculations that we had and we discussed. Um, but we finally found out what it was. And it's that they're developing a term called Fog Gaming. And what that is, is that Fog Gaming would repurpose arcades across Japan as part of a server cloud using arcade game machines, physical CPUs, and GPUs to provide a streaming alternative. This will provide access to arcade game streaming with ultra low latency and allow arcades to make money even after business hours. Since this is all entirely, um, you know, basically this is all surround, this is all surrounding arcades. Uh, this is only being developed for Japan at the moment, and you know, I kind of doubt this would ever make it outside of Japan. You know, arcades really just aren't that big in the United States. So obviously this is definitely not anywhere close to a bombshell, <laughs> anywhere close to an industry changing announcement, something as big as wired PlayStation five exclusive Zenji Nishikawa. You a damn liar, man. <laughs> this was not even close. Talk about hyped of overhype. Now I will say that my best guess was that Sega was creating their own cloud service. So I was kind of technically close. I was in that same arena, you know, cloud and fog. So I was sort of close when it came to guessing what this big announcement uh, was. Now, look, honestly, I think in the context of it happening in Japan, I could see why it would be a big deal. Um, on top of it being a good business opportunity for Sega, it's it, it's it also is just a huge business opportunity for the arcades, uh, just because now those arcades that are unable to generate money um, while they close are now a, will will eventually be able to generate revenue because of this. Um, and then speaking about everything that happened with COVID-19 and finding finding some sort of alternative for a lot of these businesses, what I like is that Sega. Um, found a legitimate problem that was probably fueled or definitely fueled by what happened with COVID-19 and the fact that a lot of these businesses in Japan um, had to close for some sort of period of time. So <clears throat> it's kind of cool that Sega found a solution within their own industry um, uh, that, that can kind of benefit uh, multiple parties at once. So Look, I think this is a, a pretty cool announcement. I think it's obviously more important um, in Japan. I think, and you noticed it because there were a lot of U.S. gamers that kind of shrugged their shoulders. And, and, you know, this news kind of went a little bit under the radar. And that's basically because it really just doesn't affect us here in the United States. But to me, I think it is a big deal 
um, in Japan. And then uh, Sega also announced a Sega Game Gear Micro. The original Game Gear released October 6th, 1990. Uh, for those that don't remember, it was powered by six AA batteries. Now, I had to do research. Apparently, it was the battery life was advertised for three to five hours. I call BS on that. I, I never met a person in my life that ever owned a Game Gear that was able to use it more than 20 minutes. That's a that's a damn lie. Talking about three to five hours. Never, ever experienced that one when I uh, played the Game Gear as a kid. I never owned one, but I think one of my cousins had one, uh, and that's why I was able to try it out. Um Look, I'll just be honest right off the bat. Before even reading the details, this is one of the dumbest uh, things I've ever seen a company ever ever do. I'm, I'm just gonna say that off the bat. Just the creation from the creation from the 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 the, the decisions that were made surrounding the, the the design of this device down to the price and execution. Just all of this is just dumb. Uh, so we start with the screen. The screen is only one point. 15 inches wide in comparison the game boy micro screen was two inches wide which people already thought was small so the fact that this screen is only 1.15 inches wide I, I just don't even understand why i would even attempt to play a video game on this it has a single mono speaker a headphone jack it charges over usb but can also run off two AAA batteries um and then it just gets dumber the dumb decision to release this in four different colors with each color carrying four games Still not really sure why they did this. The black one has Sonic, Outrun, Royal Stone, and Puyo Puyo Su. Blue has Sonic and Tails, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, and Baku Baku Animal. Red has Game Gear Shinobi, Columns, and the two Megami Tensei Guiding Games. Yellow has Shining Force, Shining Force 2, Shining Force Final Cl Conflict, and Nazo Puyo Aruru no Ru. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It launches in Japan on October 6th for 4,980 yen, which translates to about $45, um, uh, US, 45 US dollars. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you could have probably, if you were saying, you could have found just the smallest, you know, uh, storage device, SD card, internal storage you could you could think of. And fit all these games on one. And then, heck, if you want a color, you could have borrowed uh, a, from the Nintendo Game Boy Micro playbook and just make face plates of different colors. If you, because I, I think the colors were kind of cool, but I just don't understand why you wouldn't just do a single device, put as many games on that device as you can, instead of selling four separate ones for $45 each. So if you're a big Sonic fan and, and you want to, like I said, I don't understand why you would want to play Sonic like this. Um, and <clears throat> you want to play Sonic and Sonic and Tails, you need to buy the black and the blue one. They also announced a, a bundle for $250 that brings all four, uh, systems. It brings a, um, unique packaging and brings pins that depict all 16 games, uh, storage case, and just <laughs> one of the stupidest things. Which is a micro version of the Sega Big Window. The Big Window was a device that Sega created for the Game Gear in order to magnify the screen. Um, so they created a micro version of the Big Window for the micro version of the Game Gear. Just, I, I just don't understand what Sega was thinking. Right now, this was only announced with Japan. Honestly, it can stay in Japan. I really, <laughs> really don't think Sega should even consider bringing this to any other territories. I think this is definitely 
more of a like a, a collector's play. Like if you're a really big Sega fan, um, you're gonna buy that two hundred fifty dollar box purely just to have it, um, but not really to use it because I mean it's useless. I remember the Game Boy Micro. I was able to play. I played the entirety of Zelda Minish Cap on it. And I was able to play through. I have pretty big hands, but I don't know. Somehow I, I played through it because I felt that the screen was pretty sharp um, for that time. Uh, so I'm guessing that the screen of this micro is going to be even sharper than the Game Boy Micro screen. But, you know, I just, once again, I just, I just don't get it. I feel like Sega had an opportunity um, to do something that we haven't, that Nintendo hasn't done, which is doing... Uh, a mini retro system based on a handheld that's something that nintendo has not done yet you know they did the nest they did the snes we've seen the famicom you know we've seen uh tiny ataris and tiny and sega genesis but no one has done a micro handheld so i felt like they had a good opportunity to make some 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 sort of impact but obviously this um this is not it um and with that we're going to move into our main story so I've been researching for the story throughout the week. This is, without a doubt, uh, I think the, the most time I've spent on a story in order to aggregate as much data as I could. And, you know, I felt like this story just kind of kept morphing. And um, I think it began with my intent of, you know, trying to gather up what the different companies in our um, industry did in response to what's happening around um, America um, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so before we go into what each company did, we're going to start off with um, what impact did uh, the protests and the discourse around, uh, not even just the United States, but around the world, what impact did they have on events within our industry? And we'll start with... Um, uh, Summer Games Done Quick, before we go into the Black Lives Matter event delays, Summer Games Done Quick announced that they are moving um, Summer Games Done Quick from um, that takes place August 16th to August 23rd. They're moving it completely online due to COVID-19. So I wanted to just quickly um, talk about that, um, that delay and that movement before we go into other impacts and other delays that we heard about last week that were specifically impacted by what was happening around the world. So we'll start with PlayStation. PlayStation delayed their PS5 reveal by announcing, uh, quote, while we understand gamers worldwide are excited to see PS5 games, we do not feel that right now is a time for celebration. And for now, we want to stand back and allow more important voices to be heard. Um, now, last week when I was talking about the show, I felt that PlayStation would not move their event because they were advertising it already on ESPN. And, uh, you know, even even though advertising on ESPN right now uh, is definitely cheaper, I mean, there are no sports, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going through a lot of reruns, for example, so I'm sure that right now it's, it's you know, uh, advertising on ESPN is a bargain, but it's still advertising a gaming, a, a, dig, a, a digital gaming event on a TV channel, which is something that we just really haven't heard about of in the past. Um, just yesterday, Sony did confirm that the uh, event was moved to this Thursday, June 11th, and they've been advertising that on Twitch. I've seen promotions on Twitter for it, so Sony is still advertising and putting a lot of money behind this event, um, obviously signaling that this event is going to be you know, just as huge as we all think. 
um, that it will be. Uh, other delays that we saw happen around the industry, IGN delayed their Summer of Gaming Expo from June 5th to um, June 8th, or I think it, it was actually this weekend. Um, Guerrilla Co- Collective, which is a multi-day indie showcase, was set to take place over the June 6th weekend. That was delayed to June 13th through June 15th. Um, we recognize, and they said, quote, we recognize it's a time for action and for voices speaking out for justice and change to be heard. We stand united for change, for justice, and in support of Black Lives Matter. Uh, they also had a June 7th live stream highlighted, highlighting black voices in our industry, dedicated exclusively to showcasing games created by black developers, titles featuring black protagonists, and conversations with these creators. That was a stream that I missed. It is definitely something that, um... I'm hoping and I'm assuming that they have a VOD of it somewhere so I can watch that. I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, The PC gaming show was moved from June 6th to June 13th. They said, quote, right now we want to make space for those speaking out and demonstrating about how to end the systemic oppression and police brutality experienced by black people. PC Gamer made an article highlighting ways uh, to help, including donation links including resources with helpful links i thought that was really cool that they had an entire page dedicated um with those links steam game festival was delayed by a week and will now take place june 11th through june 25th excuse me cd project red moved their cyberpunk 2077 event called night city wire from june 11th to june 25th they said quote we still look forward to sharing new information about cyberpunk 77 but more important discussions are happening right now we want them to be heard we wholeheartedly stand against racism intolerance and violence black lives matter ea play live was moved to june 18th uh, and EA said, quote, with the important conversations taking place and important versus voices being heard around the world right now, we're moving our time to come together in play. Fortnite's next season was delayed by a week from June 4th to June 11th and then delayed once again to June 15th. Uh, their message was, quote, recent events are a heavy reminder of ongoing injustices in society from the, den- the denial of basic human rights to the impact of racism, both overt and subtle against people of color. We're acutely aware of the pain our friends, families, team members, players and communities are experiencing. We believe in equality and justice, diversity and inclusion, and that these fundamentals are above politics. The team is eager to move Fortnite forward, but we need to balance the season three launch with time for the team to focus on themselves their families, and their communities. We know this delay comes on the heels of another one, and we appreciate your patience and understanding during these difficult times. Activision also delayed the upcoming Call of Duty seasons to a future unknown date. Quote, while we all look forward to playing the new season of Modern Warfare, Warzone, and Call of Duty Mobile, now is not the time. We are moving the launches of Modern Warfare Season 4 and Call of Duty Mobile Season 7 to later dates. Right now, it's time for those speaking up for equality, justice, and change to be seen and heard. We stand alongside you. 2K also delete, delayed the release of Borderlands 3's second takedown event, and Warcraft postponed their World of Warcraft Shadowlands livestream from June 9th to a future date. Um, you know, all of these delays were absolutely necessary uh, due to everything that's happening. I think you as a company... Um, would look really really bad um during what's happening across all 50 states in the united states um in various countries around the world they're all focused and protesting and speaking out against the same topics um to all of a sudden start speaking about hey hey look look check this out speaking about 
something that, um, you know, pales in comparison to what's happening around the world, the weight of what's happening, um, whether it be an event to announce a product or, you know, a you know new piece of content um, for your entertainment. It's just not the right time uh, to do it. And even, especially in Sony's case, looking at Sony and the date that they had set, which I think was June 4th, and that's really the day that um, it seemed like a lot of the protests were beginning to escalate um, across 50 states. And that's really where we started to see a lot of the protests being broken up by the actions of police. So it just would have been just such an awful time to have that announcement. So it just um, made perfect sense for Sony to delay it. And I'm really glad that they did. So now putting all that aside, I want to speak about what exactly did the game industry actually do? And I wanted to talk about a, um, a couple of different facets of, of our industry. And I wanted to quickly talk about uh, game streamers. So there were some game streamers that did what I consider the bare minimum. The bare minimum to me was the Black Square. I call it the Black Square on Blackout Tuesday, which took place, let me look at my calendar, June 2nd was the day that Blackout Tuesday happened. I think it was June 2nd. Um, putting out that Black Square... Maybe saying, you know, oh, I'm not going to talk for now or something like that. Uh, to me, that was the bare minimum. There were some game streamers that, that did that. There were also a lot of game streamers that decided to use their platform to raise a lot of money. And then there were streamers that did, to me, the most important work, which were um, white streamers. And as, uh, as, as, as I call them, allies of this movement, such as Shroud and Dr. Lupo, who, who use their platforms to speak up and speak out um, amongst what's happening. You know, on my own Twitter, I have been praising Ninja a lot, who has been using his platform to not only just speak up, but elevate voices and things that need to be seen and heard. Um, and Ninja just honestly has not let up. For about the, the two weeks straight, he's been speaking up. He's been speaking out um, and just showing himself as, as an ally. And honestly... I don't even know how much Ninja has, has donated. Um, I'm sure he has, but to be honest, you know, that pales in comparison, um, to a person who's using their platform that can reach millions upon millions of people. Um, especially when we talk about uh, the responsibility that a streamer such as Ninja has, um, in terms, in terms of the influence that he has on, um, kids and teenagers, um, for him to be that person that they can look up to and, and see like, wow, you know, Ninja's speaking out about this. Ninja is saying that this is wrong, um, you know, and there are a lot of people that are looking up to him at this time. And for him to responsibly use his platform to speak up about this um, and just, like I said, not not letting up. I mean, the, the guy has not let up, even if it's, you know, Blackout Tuesday where he said, you know, I'm not going to stream today. I'm going to let, um, I think this is a good day for us to reflect um, on what's happening and just listen. Even during that time, he was retweeting things, even if he himself was not adding to it. So definitely, I think Ninja has been doing a lot. Um, we saw streamers raising money. Uh, Dr. Disrespect, I think, is the person who has um, pledged the most. He himself has pledged that beginning June 4th, every single donation to his channel for the entire month would be going to charities 
Um, and he revealed that $40,000 was raised within the first 24 hours. He hasn't said exactly where that money is going to just yet. Um, but, you know, $40,000 in the first 24 hours with 29 days to go. Um, you can only imagine how much money he'll be able to raise. So just really, really good to see Dr. Disrespect using his, his platform in a positive manner. Um, Games Done Quick. Games Done Quick donated $2,500 to nonprofit Visit Lake Visit Lake Street, which is a charity being used to rebuild businesses on Lake Street in Minneapolis. They also revealed that all Twitch subs and bits revenue for the month of June will be donated to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, then I want to talk about quickly about the fighting game community. The fighting game community, to me, has always been a community that... Um, incorporates a lot of people of color you know people of color are very very prominent um, within the fighting game community evo posted a statement on twitter saying quote evo supports black lives matter and the recent protests fighting against police brutality that disproportionately affects black americans to support the movement we are donating seventy five hundred dollars each to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and visit Lake Street. Um, honestly I really hope that Evo does a little bit more. I think Evo is uh, an organization and a tournament that's kind of, you know, the Super Bowl of fighting games really is what is um, looked upon every single year. So I kind of hope to see them, um, you know, put some sort of a, 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 a stream or a conversation together and allowing um, uh, black people within the fighting game community or, or people of color within the fighting game community uh, to speak out and talk about their experiences because I think, um, you know, having other people within our community see that um, can do a lot in terms of changing the mindset of a lot of people. And I think the biggest mindset that I've noticed that has to be changed, not only just within this industry, but across the world, is there's still a lot of people that think that what's happening doesn't really concern them. And I think those types of conversations do a lot in order to make people understand why this is everybody's problem. Uh, Street Fighters Reddit raised $14,000 during a Black Lives Matter charity tournament. A Smash Melee charity net play event raised over $35,000. The Console Gaming League raised $6,441 during a Mortal Kombat Invitational tournament called Combat Against Injustice. Um, Nairo, who is a uh, big player in the Smash Super Smash Brothers scene, raised over $14,000 through a stream. And I'm sure I'm missing... A heck of a lot of streams that went on. Um, but the one thing I noticed was the fighting game community really came out um, and spoke up and really used their community to do a lot of good work when it came to um, raising a, a, a very large amount of money. I mean, just going over what I've read, um, that's over $50,000 just right there. And I'm sure there was a lot more uh, done around the community that I missed. Now let's move on to uh, what the video game media did, starting with IGN. IGN's sister company, Humble Bundle, announced that they will be creating a $1 million fund dedicated to helping publish games by black developers, which I thought was really, really good to see. IGN themselves did put out a message claiming that they stand in solidarity with the black community and condemn racism. They did um, post up a bunch of links that people can follow for donating. Um, I think they did mention that they made a donations and um, they encouraged their employees to make donations, but they did not disclose the exact amount of what those donations will be. 
But they said they were driving donations to support the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, which is an organization that supports legal action on long-term change. Um, and um, and that was it. That's basically what they did. They were just driving a lot of um, donations. Um, my issue with um, IGN and especially with a, 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 a another part of this story, another uh, media company that um, we're going to speak about, uh, very very shortly is um, there was no there was no message talking inwardly about you know uh, the fact that their staff is not the most diverse staff um, we've ever seen um, even to the fact that this week they decided to um, bring in people of color and uh, into their podcast in order to speak and talk about games for the week. But I kind of feel like if, if I'm at a company and I feel like I need to go outside of my company in order to have these points of view and these opinions uh, be made on behalf of, uh, of my company, um, then I need to look inwardly and, and, and find out what the problem is. And the funny thing is that we've, actually very publicly found out what the problem was uh thanks to dan stapleton dan stapleton is ign's executive editor of reviews um who put out you know unequivocally it was just a it was a really bad tweet let's just start with that it was a really bad tweet that he has since deleted where he said quote i think i can speak for just about everybody in games journalism when I say that we'd love to hire more black and other minority writers, but we can't if we don't hear from you. When you see job postings go up, apply, 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 or recommend someone who should. Um, this is just a, a just a really bad tweet. And um, the way that I looked at it was, my comment on it was, in Dan Stapleton's mind, um, this was like, him trying his best. This was him, you know, coming from the best part of him. You know, this was him sitting at home at his desk and saying, what can I do? You know, I'm the executive editor of reviews here at IGN. What can I do? The mistake that Dan Stapleton made is that he didn't look into the past or the present. He didn't look into, man, what, what have we done at IGN? What have I done? Um, to elevate black voices within um, uh, our media company, um, he decided to look outward. He decided to look uh, towards the future uh, that has not been written yet. And he said to himself, you know, we need it, it basically, this is exactly how it came across. It came across with, we need you guys to work harder. You know, if you're black, if you're, or, or, or part of any other marginalized group or, uh, belonging to what can be considered a minority writer, such as the Latino like myself, what you have to do is you just have to work hard. You have to make more noise. You know, it's like you can't go through the same channels as white writers. You can't, like, the, when I look at the tweet, I, I think to myself, what's the expectation? Am I supposed to apply and then DM my resume to everybody at IGN and then, you know, email you on top of that and find your Instagram. I mean, do you want me to DM you on Instagram? You want me to start a hashtag, hashtag hire Joel for IGN, for example. Um, 
And then we had a uh, blessing. Blessing is a, uh, a black journalist who uh, currently works for kind of funny games. And he chimed in and said, you know, basically he couldn't even count the amount of times that he applied for IGN and was, and I, I think he, he even went as far as to say was never, never even got um, an interview. Um, and then uh, Dan Staples decided to delete the tweet. And basically what he said was, okay, it looks like everyone's attacking me. So I'm just going to delete the tweet. Um, and then that's it. As far as I know, as far as the research I've done, obviously I haven't looked at his uh, Twitter for the past 24 hours. Um, but there, there has been no part of Dan, Dan Stapleton that has said, um, hey, I heard what you guys said. These are the steps that I'm taking in order to, to, to make sure that we get more black voices onto our website. Um, none, none of that has been put out, you know, um, and I think that's kind of the issue is that in Dan Stapleton's mind, this, what he was doing was right. This was, um, coming from, 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 from the best place within him. And I think that's kind of the problem is one of the things about what's happening right now is you have to be able to say to yourself, um, or, or you have to be able to look at as many point of views as you can in order to um, formulate a proper opinion and formulate a proper plan uh, to do something like this. You know, if you make the decision within your company to say, man, I need more writers of color, um, why? Why do you want more writers of color? And at the end of the day, if you are an executive editor at IGN and you, and you tweet, that, hey, you know what? I want more black writers, but the only reason why you're doing this is because of what's happening around the world. And once again, you're just completely missing the point. You should want more black writers. You should want more Hispanic writers, more Asian writers, more writers from all different types of backgrounds and, and races in order to um, give your uh, listeners, give your readers as many different points of views as you possibly can on these different games, right? Um, or these different things that are happening around our our industry. I mean, look, this podcast that you're listening to right now, you're listening to a podcast that is being that was created by myself, a person of color, a Dominican man living in New York City. I guarantee you, this same topic that I'm talking about right now, from my point of view, and what I'm talking about right now in this podcast, what you're listening to, if you listen to a podcaster, a white podcaster that was also going to do the same story that I'm doing, which is, hey, let's report on what the companies, what companies around the game industry have done, I guarantee you both our podcasts are going to sound completely different. And the reason why is because they're coming from two completely different points of view, right? So that's what IGN <laughs> did for the week. Um, GameSpot, GameSpot, uh, sent out a tweet that said on behalf of, and it was sent on behalf of their parent company, CVS Viacom, which looked to be leading the way. Um, they said for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and excuse me to clarify what I mean by which looked to be leading the way. I meant that CVS Viacom basically created a plan of action for what was going on. It looks like every other, you know, subsidiary below them just kind of followed along. So, uh, GameSpot tweeted for eight minutes and 46 seconds. We will be post. We will stop posting in our social feeds and tribute to George Floyd. We dedicate this time for the victims of police brutality and the powerful movement fighting for justice. 
join uh, at color of change text demands to five five one five six. This to me what was was bad, and and the reason why I think it was bad is uh, because it doesn't make sense for GameSpot to follow this. I think someone will fit GameSpot. So what CBS Viacom was doing, I think, was more for their TV stations. Um, Nickelodeon is owned by CBS Viacom, and what they did was uh, they paused broadcasting for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, and all you heard was breathing, heavy breathing, and on the screen were words, you know, the words, I can't breathe, talking about the injustice that black people have faced around the world for for decades and things like that that makes sense right that's using your medium because you know the very def or, or, or part of the definition of protest is disruption you know what you want to do is disrupt what's considered normal in order to make people stop and think about what's happening right so if I'm a parent and my kids are watching Nickelodeon that disruption that happens it allows me that moment to reflect and maybe, talk to my child about what's going on and 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 what we saw was you know some white parents that i think uh, i think there was one post that was elevated on social media where a white parent went on nickelodeon's facebook and said oh my child is 11 year olds they don't they don't need to be learning about this and i think what nickelodeon responded with was well there are kids around the world that are 11 year olds and they're forced to learn about this they're forced to learn about police brutality because um, they are people of color so i think nickelodeon did it the right way but for GameSpot, it just didn't make any sense because what it looks like is hey guess what guys for nine minutes we're not going to post on social media and um to me if, if if you're a company you know there's no need to get clever about it like i i sort of feel like these companies look at this as a way as like a basically it's a publicity stunt and you know what I look at with, with what happened with GameSpot is, is, is someone came up with this decision, right? Someone said, well, what if we don't tweet? And someone else, <laughs> this is the conversation that's going to my head. Someone else said, someone, someone pulled up the video. Let's, 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 how, how long was it that George Floyd had the knee to his neck? Let, how long was it that he couldn't breathe? Oh, eight minutes and 46 seconds. All right, perfect. So we're not going to tweet for eight minutes and 46 seconds. When you think about it in that context, you realize how absolutely ridiculous all this sounds. Um, but I will say they did, uh, they were doing charity streams daily where they said that proceeds were going to Black Lives Matter initiatives and also COVID-19 relief efforts. Um uh, so, you know, I will say that they did put forth some sort of plan of action. I don't think that GameSpot announced a specific donation, but they did talk about, that, hey, during our stream, all of our proceeds will go to this. Um, but the one thing, once again, that GameSpot um, did not do, now I will say that I, I did not go into GameSpot staff. I don't know how diverse their staff is, but it's something that they did not um, speak about. Um the Gamer Network. Now, this is the, the last of the media that I want to talk about. So, for those that don't know, uh, the Gamer Network claims to be one of the world's leading games media businesses, and they jointly released a statement saying they stand in solidarity with black communities. They also confirmed that they would donate to various organizations, but they did not disclose an amount. Now, there was something very, very specific about the message that they put out that, that um, kind of raised my eyebrows. They said, as a network, we haven't done enough to promote black voices, and we will urgently examine how we can better use our platforms to do so. Um, 
I thought it was very big of them as a network to admit fault, right? To admit um, across your statement in the bigger picture of what's happening right now, we know that as a company, we have not done enough. Now, from what I can tell, all of these or most of these companies are based in in Europe. Gamer Network seems to be a European company. And their websites consist of Eurogamer, Rock Paper Shotgun, Dice Breaker, VG247, Games Industry, US Gamer, Outside Xbox, Outside Extra, Nintendo Life, Metabomb, VGC, which is Video Games Chronicle, Push Square, which is like a, a Sony focused website, and then another website called Pure xbox now a few of these websites on this list i actually uh visit almost daily at least weekly when i'm preparing stories um especially vg 24 7 games industry uh nintendo life for nintendo news us gamer uh euro gamer these are websites that i do definitely frequent in order to gain information about this industry and in order to put together this podcast that talks about the biggest news from the last week so I was very curious about that one line that said, um, you know, we haven't done enough to promote black voices. And what I did was I went into each website staff page and they had pictures of staff members. And uh, look, I, 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 I'm never really the type. I don't, I don't really like to just relegate someone down to just their, their, um, their skin. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was definitely kind of weird going through websites and just looking at people's faces and reading their names and um, trying to find out what I'm, I'm curious how many people of color do they actually have on staff. I counted over 100 staff members across these various websites. I came up with the number 106. Maybe I might be wrong, but it was definitely over 100. I was able to find exactly three. There were three people of color across over a hundred staff members across over nine websites within our industry. There were only three people of color on one of these websites. There was actually an article written by a black editor that spoke out about the importance of representation for people of color and other marginalized groups within our industry. He put out, he put up this article last week and he mentioned other writers of color within the industry and he could not name not a single other staff member outside of one. Outside of himself and another staff member, those were the only two black members of media of the staff that he could count across over nine websites. That is beyond bad. That is horrible to even think of. You know, imagine being... Think of your job. Imagine being the only black person in that building. Then think about the fact that you're you're part of a conglomerate, you're a subsidiary of a company, and think that there is only one other black person within the entire subsidiary, across all subsidiaries. And I think the third person I counted looked like they were Asian, dark skinned. Had, but like I said, I don't want to just relegate someone down to just the color of their skin. I don't want to just do that. But I will say for them to put out on their um, uh, press release and, and them speaking out about Black Lives Matter, for them to say we haven't done enough to promote black voices, 
uh, yeah, <laughs> I would I would definitely agree with that uh, that statement that you have not done enough. I will be very very interested to know within the few coming months if the gaming network will actually act on this and uh, find other voices of color because sometimes it's not even just about um, hiring staff. Sometimes it's 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 you know. Uh, contracting a writer and and uh, that 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 is not hired by you, but but putting together a contract just for them to to have an opinion piece on your website, for example, even that can be something. So, you know, I I really hope that the people who run the gamer network were very honest when they said that. I kind of I feel like if they weren't, they wouldn't have even put that um, on their statement. So I really really hope that they um, do something about that because i mean let's be honest you know two or three out of over a hundred staff members is i mean that's that's really really bad and it obviously does not reflect you know the makeup of our industry as a whole so i really hope that that company sticks to their word um before before we move on to what companies are doing i want to talk about itch.io itch.io was a games bundle that was created um, in order to raise money. And uh, it has over 742 items for download with a minimum $5 donation. All proceeds will be split 50-50 between the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund. Uh, excuse me. 50-50 uh, between, the, between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Funds and the community bail fund. So 50-50 between these two organizations. Um, right now, the average contribution is $11.22. There have been over 263,000 contributions. There are six days left, and they're over halfway to their goal of $5 million. So far, this bundle has raised over $2.9 million. Right now, it's at $2,952,988 at the moment that I'm recording this podcast. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. To know that over $2 million has been uh, raised in, I think, a little over two days since this bundle was put up on, on, on their website. So it's really, really amazing to see. Um, so now let's move on to what uh, companies around our industry did. Now, the one thing I want to, to note and I wanted to make clear as I was doing my research for this, uh, for this story is that it's important to know that while some d donations seem enormous... They're actually less, they're not even a drop in the bucket for most of these companies. It's actually less than a drop in the bucket for most of these companies. So I always tell people, don't look at the amount of donation, look at the percentage. So for example, the Walt Disney Company pledged a total of $5 million in donations, but with a reported 2019 revenue of over $69 billion, this actually amounts to a little over 0.007% of their entire 2019 Revenue. Now, keep in mind, obviously, a lot of people bring up that uh, governments can use this as a tax deduction. It is an incentive. Uh, the government provides a corporation with a tax deduction when the corporation makes a donation to a registered charity. The deduction reduces the corporation's taxable income, which will reduce the corporation's taxes. 
Now, keep in mind, once again, as we talk about these percentages throughout the story, that um, reportedly the average percentage of income the average American donates uh, that I've been able to find is at a minimum 2% of their yearly income and some kind that, that can stretch all the way up to 5%. So from 2 to 5% of their yearly income, that's the percentage as the average American donates to registered charities around the world or actually just in America, excuse me. Um, so I want to talk about the big three. I want to talk about start off with Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony. So Nintendo was very, very quiet, which is actually extremely normal for Nintendo. Nintendo, historically, um, especially since they're a predominantly Japanese company, they don't really speak out about politics. They don't really speak about, out about things that are happening out the world. Uh, Nintendo just really believes themselves as a company. We're here to make games. We're here to sell fun. We're here to bring smiles. We're not here to talk about politics. So I actually... Um, Knew that Nintendo would be doing something behind the scenes, which they did. Uh, I was able to confirm that uh, Nintendo of America was matching uh, employee donations online. People were saying that Nintendo was double matching. I was not able to verify that. Nintendo actually did the same during COVID-19. They were matching employee donations to specific charities, and they are doing the same for Black Lives Matter. I was not able to find out exactly what those charities were. Or the specifics of it, but you know, know that they are doing something, even if they are quiet. Now, um, a few days into all of this, NOA finally did put out a statement. Quote, Nintendo shares the pain felt in the United States after the tragic death of George Floyd, and we stand with the black community and all those who recognize our shared humanity and fundamental belief in equity and justice. We reject bias, exclusion, oppression, and the violence that leads excuse me, that leads to these completely unnecessary deaths. We are committed to fostering equity, inclusion, and diversity, diversity in all aspects of our business and the work to do. Um, and that was it. Nintendo did not put out a statement that they themselves were donating to any charity. They did not put out a statement about um, whether um, a, a kind of confirming that they were matching um, employee donations. Uh, but as I said, this is typical from um, from Nintendo. This is just not really what they do. They're not really, really uh, very public about these things. Um, and I think the only reason why this statement was put out was this was definitely an NOA initiative. Uh, for those that don't know, you know, we have NCL, which is Nintendo in Japan, and then we have NOA, which is Nintendo of America. Um, as far as I know, NOE, which is Nintendo of Europe, did not put out a statement. And I'm sure that Nintendo of America were probably the ones that went to NCL and said, hey, this, we have to say something about this. A lot of people are asking, why are we so quiet? And I'm sure they bounced this off of someone in Japan that eventually kind of gave them the green light to do this. Um, this is not something that NOA can just kind of do on their own. This is something that must be approved uh, by Japan and by NCL because it is a statement that while it is being done by Nintendo of America it is something that kind of speaks on behalf of the entire company. When this statement came out and the media started spreading it and people started tweeting about it, no one said, oh, Nintendo of America put out a statement. Everyone just said Nintendo put out a statement. So they were essentially speaking for the entire company. Now, Nintendo's uh, um, valuation as a company is over $53 billion. As I said, I don't know how much uh, they gave. But as far as I know, that's really all they did. And, you know, this is kind of exactly what I expected. I really didn't expect Nintendo to do any more than that. Uh, Microsoft, uh, Obsidian, 
which is the studio behind the Outer Worlds, pledged a $25,000 donation to the NAACP. 343 Industries announced 100% of the proceeds from all Halo 5 Guardians REQ pack purchases between June 19th and July 19th will go directly to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. They said, quote, we also know we have work to do in our own backyard to combat racist behavior in our games. Racism, bigotry, and hate speech have no place in Halo, and we will enforce our zero-tolerance policy with every means at our disposal. Majong Studios, I think, did something really, really cool. The team behind Minecraft announced that in commemoration of Juneteenth, which is Friday, June 19th, they will donate all profits from the day sales of Minecraft, Minecraft Dungeons, and content in the Minecraft marketplace to the following organizations. Black Lives Matters, um, Equal Justice Initiative, and the NAACP Legal Defense and um, Education Fund. Microsoft spent the week using their Twitter to highlight statements made by black employees within the uh, company. They pledged $1.5 million to be split amongst the Black Lives Matter Foundation, Equal Justice Initiative, the Innocence Project, the Leadership Conference, Minnesota Freedom Fund, and the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. So each of these organizations breaking it down will receive about $250,000. Uh, Microsoft has over 250,000 employees, and in 2019, they reported a revenue of about $125.8 billion. That makes the $1.5 million donation approximately 0.0012% of that. Uh, So just looking at that percentage. In 2019, I will say they did launch the Microsoft Criminal Justice Reform Initiative, and it's something that Microsoft has internally been working on apparently since 2014, um, working with uh, uh, different uh, Congress members in Seattle in order to reform criminal justice. In terms of what success have they seen, I wasn't able to find anything like that, Um, but that is something good that they did highlight in terms of what they were doing. They did um, make it a point to highlight that they have been working on um, criminal justice um, reform. Uh, Sony, uh, Last of Us 2 director Neil Druckmann confirmed that while they didn't publicly announce it, PlayStation was matching employee donations to certain racial justice groups. Their statement was, quote, being silent about the violence and racism black people experience as being complicit. We stand in solidarity today and every day with the black community. Black lives matter, uh, using the hashtag. But actions always speak louder than words. And we're working hard to make sure we at Sony are doing more than just stating we are allies. Right now, we want to use our platform to spread information and support. Please send links, resources, or other helpful information our way, and we will share them. Now, I will say that uh, at the beginning of everything that was happening, I think it was around June 2nd, June 3rd, Sony's Twitter was kind of responding and replying, you know, uh, to people that were claiming, you know, all lives matter. They were being very vocal about um, how that term makes no sense and all these other things, but they haven't really been doing that outside of that um, that uh, that first day. Um, they didn't really speak about for a few days what they were doing, but eventually they announced uh, that as a part of Sony Music Group, Sony Music Group announced the launch of a $100 million fund to support social justice and anti-racist initiatives around the world. Quote, Sony Music Group has established this fund in the full support of the initiatives undertaken by our sister entertainment company, Sony Pictures Entertainment, all divisions of Sony Corporation. Um, In 2019, Sony announced a revenue of over $80 billion 
which makes the 100% excuse me the 100 million dollar fund approximately 0.13% of that which seems small but it's actually I think the largest of all the companies that we're going to talk about um now, when Sony made this announcement, they specifically made it under Sony Music Group. And the first thing I said was that's very interesting that they chose Sony Music Group as kind of the umbrella, as kind of the the top of that headline. You know, the 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 the, the logo that you see on the top of that press release was Sony Music Group. And I found that very uh very, very interesting. Um for those that don't know, the music industry is probably, not even probably, is one of the most oppressive <laughs> industries for black artists, um, you know, across the spectrum. Um, one of, if not the most, influential artists that came out of N- Minneapolis, where George Floyd was murdered, was Prince, uh, who once said, quote, record contracts are just like, I'm going to say the word, slavery. I would tell any young artist, don't sign sony music now owns the rights to distribute prince's entire catalog it's over 35 albums and and i look at this hundred million dollar fund and i i can't help but look at it as a way for sony music to distract you from their practices as as a company they want you to just look at this hundred million dollar they don't want you to look at it as don't worry about what what that means in in terms of a, a percentage of our revenue. Don't look into that. Just look at this hundred million dollars. They want you to look at that number and say, "Wow, that's a large number." And I think they don't want you to look into um, some of their facts. So, for example, don't look into the fact that it took years for Sony Music to drop R. Kelly as an artist, uh, even after all the facts that were put out uh, uh, about him, even after he went to trial for what he did. Um, and even though they eventually did drop R. Kelly after so much noise was made because of the documentary surviving R. Kelly, um, just know that even though he's no longer part of the Sony RCA label, if I'm not mistaken, Sony still profits off of his music and they never once made an effort to even funnel those funds back to worthy causes. Um, Sony doesn't want you to, to, to learn about unlocking the truth. There's a lot of people that don't even know who Unlocking the Truth were. Unlocking the Truth was a young rock band that Sony Music signed in 2013 that comprised of three young black teens out of Flatbush, Brooklyn. They signed these three young black teens. I don't think any of them were older than 12 or 13 at that moment. And they signed them because they went viral because of a video. I think they were playing in Times Square and they were playing rock and roll. And um, they signed them to a six-album, $1.8 million deal. 13-year-olds were signed to a six-album, $1.8 million deal. They didn't even put out a piece of music through Sony Music. Very quickly, Unlocking the Truth had to find a lawyer in order to get themselves out of the deal. And that was because Sony did to them what Sony does to a lot of black artists. So what they do is they sign you on early, and Sony's job, and just like Sony's not alone on there's a lot of record companies that do the same. Uh, you know, they, their job and the way that they exploit a lot of artists of color is that they their their job is to find a hit, a hit song. Um, their job is to work on your look, work on your mer- merchandising, uh, because they're going to get a cut out of, out of all of that. And even if you don't make it to six albums, even if they just get one album out of you, they can eat off of that and they can profit off of you 
for almost forever. That so that's really their aim. And unlocking the truth, this very young rock band really recognized very very quickly exactly what was happening, which was Sony really wasn't working on their music. They were just more working on their look. They were working on. I think you couldn't understand where I'm getting at. <laughs> so, um, you know, Sony Music doesn't want you to Google what a 360 deal is. Um, you know, uh, which is, like I said, I'm not even going to get into what a 360 deal is. You can Google it. It's one of the worst offenses that ever happened to the music industry, where basically it means that the company um, gets a chunk of absolutely anything that you do as an artist uh, from, from, from your look to just absolutely everything. Um, they don't want you to know that there's only one single woman of color on their executive team. They don't want you to know about 2019 class action lawsuit that Sony is being accused of violating the Copyright Act of 1976. See, plaintiffs claim that Sony routinely labels artists' music as work made for hire. Now, Section 203 of the Copyright Act of 1976 lets creators revoke a grant of a copyright between 35 and 40 years after a post-1978 publication. What that means is that if a music company owns the rights, or as we call the master recordings, and owns the rights to your music, that means that anytime that music is played, movie trailer, put it in a video game, uh, commercial, they reap the benefit of it. You don't, because they have the rights to it. And after 35 to 40 years is when you have a chance by revoking this Copyright Act of 1976 to have the rights revoke uh, and come back to you as the creator. Now imagine, once again, I just talked to you about that rock band Unlocking the Truth. Imagine as a 13-year-old, you make a hit song and you do not have the rights to it until 40 years later when you're over 50 that's when you'll actually have the rights to your music and your creation. Now, it was designed to help artists reclaim work initially licensed before its true value could be established, but it does not apply to work for hire arrangements. What this means and what the lawsuit is trying to claim is that Sony routinely labels their artist's music as work made for hire. What that allows Sony Music to do, and once again, I, I doubt that Sony's the only company that's doing this, but they're the ones that were sued for it is that they, they claim it as a work made for hire so that they can keep the rights forever. So after 35, 40 years, 100 years, the rights are theirs forever. You can't make the argument for it to be uh, to come back to you. Whoever owns your estate once you pass away has no argument for it to come back to you because it was labeled as a work made for hire. And under the Copyright Act, it does not apply to work for hire arrangements. So once again, Sony doesn't want Sony. I, I feel like Sony Music doesn't want you to see these things. Right. Last week, there was Blackout Tuesday and I was mainly made for the record industry. Right. That's kind of what it was all about. And what happened? That's not really what it became, right? No one no one that I knew even knew that Blackout Tuesday was something that was really championed by the record industry. And the reason why is because the record industry did that to tell you like, oh, Solidarity, we're right there with you guys. Blackout Tuesday, we're going to take this time to think about and reflect on what's happening. But it's been over a week and not a single record company has talked about, hey, you know what? We've decided to go through our catalog and every person of color that we've held their rights for over 50 years, we're, we're, we're going to give them back for free. We're not even going to sell them back, right? Um, they've done just absolutely none of that. They've done nothing. 
And that's what I mean by a lot of these companies doing these things to completely distract you from the truth. The truth behind a lot of these things is, hey, we're right there with you. We hear you. Black Lives Matter. Um, okay, cool. A week has passed. Let's just go back uh, to normal, which is what a lot of these companies want uh, to happen. So that was Sony's response. Now, let's move on to the rest of the industry. And what I want people to know is that you, I want people to keep in mind the actions, in my opinion, and you know, it's not an opinion. I think it's a fact. Actions are louder than words and money, which is hopefully what I just established by talking about Sony Music, uh, that the actions are not really matching that $100 million fund um, that they put out and put together. Uh, so I'll give you an example of a company that proved that uh, words don't mean anything if your actions don't match them. Corsair, Elgato, RGMPC, and Scuff released a joint statement. Uh, these are manufacturers of a lot of gaming accessories uh, they, that read, quote, this is a time to listen and we have been listening. We hope others will listen too. We recognize the injustices and inequality faced by the black community. Uh, meanwhile, while they put out their statement, a streamer by the name of Good Game Bro was asked by Scuff to make a social post featuring his code and advertising their product. He subsequently ended his partnership. So for you as a company to say, this is a time for us to listen. We recognize injustice and, and, and inequality. We hope others will listen too. And then for you to go to a, a streamer of color and tell them, hey, you know what? Black Lives Matter. Hey, do you mind? posting up this controller with this code and you know letting people to go and buy it and they'll get 10% off like that's just beyond gross I mean it's it's so sad to see that that mindset um, come out of these companies and I, and I commend good game bro for ending that partnership um, now let's talk about video game companies um, we're gonna start off with um, the fact George Floyd was murdered on uh, May 25th Today's date is June 9th, so it's been about two weeks. And we're going to start off with the companies that uh, did absolutely nothing. And we're going to start with Valve. So Valve, as most know, creators of Half-Life, uh, the owners of Steam, the most successful and highest grossing marketplace that we have in our video game industry, they did absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Not a tweet. Not even the black square. <laughs> Valve has done absolutely nothing as a company, uh, which is pretty sad knowing that their last uh, release was Half-Life Alex, um, who, that stars Eli and Alex Vance, who are both protagonists of color, which is really, really rare to see in this industry. Uh, according to game analyst Steam Spy in 2017, Valve took in $4.3 billion in stream revenue alone, and that did not count microtransactions and downloadable content so 4.3 billion dollars in steam revenue alone not counting microtransactions not counting downloadable content not counting anything else you know vr hardware whatever you want to say none of that was counted 4.3 billion steam revenue um and they just like i said they just did absolutely nothing the next company that did absolutely nothing was cd project Red, the makers of The Witcher 3 and the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077. CD Projekt Red resides in Poland. Over 94% of the population is ethnically Polish. Uh, matter of fact, if you go to Poland and you are a black person that goes to Poland, you can expect to get your picture taken um, because there are just a lot of people that live in Poland that have never, ever seen a black man or a black woman. Cyberpunk 2077, for those that don't know, is based on a successful tabletop RPG 
Cyberpunk 2020. That's created by Mike Pondsmith, a black man. Uh, the Witcher has always been um, uh, spoken about as a story about racism and ignorance, fear of the unknown, but never on the same terms as our world. Obviously, it's more ignorance based upon you know species and things like that, more so than just skin and uh, talking about um, our, the differences. Uh, in 2019, uh, CD Projekt Red's reported revenue was over $130 million. And in May of this year, so just a few a few months ago, one month ago, actually, uh, they became the most valued developer in Europe, overtaking Ubisoft with a valuation of over $9 billion. So um, once again, they did absolutely nothing, not even a black square, nothing at all. Zenimax Media, which is a parent company for Bethesda, um, on May 31st, they did what I call the WTBG, which is white text, black background, um, where they wrote, Together we stand united with black communities to listen and speak up against inequity, oppression, and racism, not just now, but always. Um, and then they posted a black square on June 2nd, hashtag Blackout Tuesday, and that was it. Then they did absolutely nothing. It's software, um, did nothing. Um, and like I said, all these are under Zenimax. Uh I'm, I'm guessing that Bethesda sort of, I guess they felt like they spoke for id Software and Arcane Studios um, because id Software, the creators of Doom, did absolutely nothing. Arcane Studios um, did absolutely nothing. Uh, Arcane Studio was sad to see um, that they didn't say anything. And it kind of feels like maybe Bethesda or Zenimax told them, don't say anything. You know, we're going to speak for all the companies. But I thought it was really sad to not hear anything internally from Arcane Studios. Uh, because Dishonored 2 expansion, Death of the Outsider, starred a black woman named Billy Lurk. Um, uh, last year at E3, they revealed Deathloop, which has something that just blew my mind. <laughs> I remember when that trailer played, and I just said, wait, wait, what did I just see? Um, because Deathloop, their upcoming game, stars not one, but two protagonists of color, a black man and a black woman, which... You know, to have a black protagonist as part of your game is is pretty huge. Um, but to have a game come out of, come out of Arcane Studio, Dishonored, which is a huge, which has grown into a huge franchise, and for them to say, "Hey, our next AAA title, Deathloop, stars a black man and a black woman," was just really, really huge for me to see. Um, and I, I remember just feeling very happy when I saw that trailer, and um, you know, I was very fortunate to see that. Um, they didn't say anything. Um, moving on to Epic Game Store. Um, they did the white text on black background um, to note that the statement did not say Black Lives Matter. Closest they came to was, re quote, recent events are a heavy reminder of ongoing injustices in society, from the denial of basic human rights to the impact of racism, both overt and subtle, against people of color. A few months ago, rumors were making the round that Epic Games was looking into another investment round at a valuation of over $15 billion. So that will put how much is basically how much the company has valued at over $15 billion. Um, so all they did was put out the text. They did absolutely nothing else other than that. Um, in terms of a donation, they didn't uh, announce a donation. Fortnite also did nothing. Uh, and Fortnite to me was like a, a, a big one. Uh, I guess they felt, hey, you know what, Epic Games put out a statement. Maybe, you know, I guess we don't have to. Um, I've been very vocal about Fortnite and the fact that they are repeat offenders when it comes to uh, stealing from black culture. It was a 
huge controversy, I think about a year ago, where they were getting hit by lawsuits for, you know, uh, Alfonso and his Fresh Prince dance. And then JB Blockboy in the shoot, we had Two Million, a Millie Rock, uh, followed by Backpack Kid and, and The Floss. And then we had uh, the Orange Justice Kid, or, you know, I don't, I don't remember their, his exact name. Um, all these lawsuits come through. We had, you know, Chance the Rapper being very vocal about, hey, you, you know, you guys are just stealing from black artists and making money off of it. They're not seeing anything. Um, so we see a company that has proven in the past that they've they've blatantly stolen from from black culture. Uh, less than two months ago, uh, they had Astronomical, which is the Travis Scott event um, that set concurrent player records over 27 million unique players. Um, Fortnite probably can't even calculate how much free advertising they've gotten for their game from creators of color streaming their game. They're not paid to do that, but, um, outside of, but the fact that they're streaming your game, that is free advertising. Um, what about the amount of free advertising they experienced when Ninja streamed the game, uh, with three, uh, two artists of color and, and, and an athlete of color, Drake, Travis Scott, and Juju Smith. Um, so Fortnite is no stranger to taking and taking and taking and taking, from black culture and creators of color and then giving absolutely nothing back. Um, lately, actually, I've learned that that Fortnite is now beginning to pay artists for dances. Um, so, for example, I remember, I think it was like two, when, when the Tussie Slide song came out, what was that, like a month, two months ago? A uh, friend of mine, Richie, shout out to Rich. He um, had asked me, hey, do you think Tushy Slide will make it to Fortnite? I said, absolutely, give him like a month or two. And I remember telling him, but, you know, it's going to go on there as, as, as the side to side. Um, so they, they, they can't name it to the Tussy Slide. So I was very surprised when it leaked and it was actually named uh, the Tussy Slide. And, um, you know, I found out shortly after that the kid who created the dance was a young uh, a black dancer. His name is T- he, he goes by the name Tussy. He did confirm that he was compensated by Fortnite. Um, the problem was that Fortnite didn't just come to this revelation, right? No one within Fortnite said to themselves, you know what? We've been stealing from black artists. We've been stealing from black culture for all this time. You know what, guys? It's time we gave back. Let's start paying for these dances. And mind you, like I said, there's there, there, unless Tussy says to himself, which he definitely, trust me, he cannot talk about the, the terms of that deal. I guarantee you. Unless, he, unless I hear from him that he's getting paid in perpetuity for each emote sold, He's getting paid in a percentage for each emote sold. I guarantee you they cut this kid a check. They, um, you know, waived, he waived his rights to ever sue uh, Epic for, for, that, for that dance. He, um, you know, he gave up, uh, you know, uh, the right to ever gain any revenue for the lifetime of that dance. He gave up the rights to use his, uh, that name that he's associated with, Tussie. And I, I personally felt like they... they they went after this dance specifically because it was attached to Drake and uh, the fact that it, it's attached to an extremely popular artist, not like uh, what happened to uh, Black Boy JB or, or Two Millie, who are not, they were definitely not as big an artist as as um, as Drake. Um, so, like I said, it's not like they came to this revelation by themselves. This was obviously a result of all the the lawsuits that they were seeing and the fact that they're just trying to protect themselves now. Um, and then the funniest thing about Fortnite was Donald Mustard. Donald Mustard is the creative director at Epic Games. This is what he tweeted. It was a series of four tweets that said, I found these, I find these truths among others to be self-evident. Number one, racism in any form of intonation is a crime against humanity is a scourge and plague we must destroy. So that's hands down one of the most neutral statements I've ever seen someone put out in, in their lives, right? 
obviously did not say Black Lives Matter. He did not say oppression or racism against um, uh, people with darker skin than mine or anything like that. All he said was racism in any form is a crime against humanity. And then this one, this second one really made me laugh. The second one was theft. Theft in any form or degree is a crime against humanity. It is something we've accepted and celebrated for too long. <laughs> so this is coming from the creative director at Epic Games that says theft in any form or degree is a crime against humanity. And you look at the almost the entirety of the emote store in Fortnite and all of it is absolute theft. I mean, they even stole from Conan O'Brien. I remember I was saying that no one's safe now. They even stole the Conan, the Conan O'Brien string dance that was making money off of it. So for the creative director of Epic Games to tweet, theft in any form of degree is a crime against humanity and claim it is something you've accepted to celebrate for too long um, is one of the funniest things definitely I read last week. Murder in any form or nuance is a crime against humanity. It is even worse when committed by those who've sworn to be trusted protectors. I believe in trying today to have humility, hope, empathy, and kindness. I believe in trying today to do good in the world. I believe in trying today to listen and to learn. I believe the future is decided by what we do today. I will be better today than I was yesterday. So this is what I what I mean in terms of actions speak way louder than words. And that is a perfect example because Fortnite has taken absolutely no action. They didn't even donate any money at all. They can elevate any charities. They can speak up or speak out about what's happening around the United States. Um, and this is... Uh, the, the biggest game right now, like there's no argument. The biggest game in our industry right now is Fortnite. It still is. It has been um, for quite some time. Um, for a reminder, in 2019, Fortnite reportedly generated about $1.8 billion in revenue. And during last year's Fortnite World Cup, they gave away over $30 million in prizes. So far as of this recording, neither Epic or Fortnite have spoken uh, out against what's been happening or um, have... Um, have donated uh, any, any any money at all. The only thing that Fortnite has actually tweeted about was just the delay to their third season. Uh, now, moving on to Activision Blizzard. Uh, they did their white text black background. Today and always, we support all those who stand against racism and inequality. There's no place for it in our society or any society. Black lives matter. Um... Uh, and that was from the that was from Activision's uh, Blizzard account. Blizzard's account didn't even retweet that post. They said absolutely nothing. Uh, Infinity Ward, which is under Activision, announced that they would take more steps to find and ban players using racial slurs in their in-game display names, as well as other measures to keep racist language out of its game, aka, um, or as I looked at it, here's something we should have done. An absolute decade ago. <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about in terms of actions. You know, the fact that Infinity War is taking this action for something that we've known the Call of Duty community to to be branded for years since the days of Xbox 360. When I went on voice chat, and it was instantly called the N word. And then if I tried to correct them and say, "Ah, you, you know, you're so stupid," I'm actually you know, Spanish, I'm Dominican, you idiot. And then they would, you know, call me a wetback and then, you know, go into, um, you know, asking me about like, oh, did you, you know, stop? How much grass did you need to cut to afford your Xbox 360? And that was rampant in the Xbox 360 day. That was over a decade ago. Um, so obviously it's something that has been a, a, a virus within Call of Duty for a long time. 
and Infinity Ward um, said, uh, there is no place for racist content in our game. Now, mind you, Infinity Ward only announces after community backlash towards Activision's really plain address to what was going on. Once they announced that, a bunch of people within the Call of Duty community um, were very vocal towards Activision and said, how could you even speak about something like this when you allow rampant racism um, and the allow and 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 the use of the n word constantly on clan tags and and, act, and battle tags and things like that. Um, then Activision added an in-game message within Call of Duty: Modern Warfare and Warzone, which read, "Quote: Black Lives Matter. Our community is hurting. The systemic inequalities our community experiences are once again center stage. Call of Duty and Infinity Ward stand for equality and inclusion. We stand against the racism and injustice our Black community endures." Until change happens and Black Lives Matter, we will never truly be the community we strive to be. Uh, currently, as of this recording, uh, there are no do donations that we know of from Activision Blizzard. They have not donated any money or they have not been public about their donations. In 2019, Activision Blizzard reported a revenue of over $6 billion. Actually, just last week, a story made the rounds about how, how Activision shareholders complain that Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick makes too much money. <laughs> Outside of his base salary, the cumulative total of Bobby Kotick's stock awards alone in the last four years is $96.5 million. In the last four years, he's made $96.5 million off stock awards alone that is outside of his base salary. And once again, um, we know of no um, donations from Activision. So this is a company that once again is creating another distraction. They want you to forget about how Blizzard handled Blitzchung, speaking out about what happened in Hong Kong, um, and the obvious, you know, the half-assed apology that followed. They don't want you to know that in January 2019, an employee by the name of Julian Murillo Cuellar tweeted that he was triggered by the announcement of Social 76 all of a sudden coming out as gay um, on Overwatch. By quote by by saying quote the reason why it triggered me wasn't the message but who it was coming from Blizzard Entertainment the idea of inclusion of representation in every voice matters and think globally never meant that for me and the other people of color I've spoken to because up until recently in the last two years as the community had some representation and initiatives but are we really representative his claim was that he was stereotyped for his Mexican background and suffered from nervous breakdowns due to stress and overtime they don't want you to remember that during his apology for the way that they handled Bliss Chung. Um, or the the the, um, the controversy that followed Bliss Chunk speaking out or speaking up for Hong Kong, President J. Allen Brack said, "Quote: BlizzCon has people from 59 countries all around the world here at the show today. That is amazing, and that is the positive power of video games to transcend divisions that surround us. We will do better going forward, but our actions are going to matter more than any of these words." So, from the words of Blizzard's own president, <laughs> hold them to that. Our actions are going to matter more than any of these words. As you can see, they took absolutely no action according to what we've seen, which is pretty bad to see, especially coming from the creator of Overwatch, which has one of the most diverse casts in video game history. You can't even argue it. Um, and then you look at the actions of Activision. Once again, no money was donated that we know of. They weren't public about it. Maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, but we haven't heard from any employees or anything um, that has countered that. Um, and then obviously... Hearing from, uh, you know, Call of Duty that they finally are doing something about racism in their games um, after years of allowing it uh, to happen. The one thing I want people to understand is, you know, don't be fooled by these things that are happening. I got 
I know friends of mine that are text me saying like, man, you know what? I like Call of Duty's doing their thing. I like, you know, Activision, you know, is really on our side. And I said, why do you think that? And they tell me, well, when I logged on to Call of Duty, there was a message that said Black Lives Matter. I was like, you see? So you see what I'm talking about? You see that message because you're playing the game and you say to yourself, man, yep, they're on our side. And then you realize that all you have to do is is, is, is stick half a finger past that surface, dip dip a toe in to break that surface, and you realize just how, how hollow and empty um, that message in those words really are since the company really hasn't really done absolutely anything for what's happening. Now let's move on to Sega. Sega put out a message that says Sega stands united with the black community against all forms of racism and discrimination. Equality is everyone's business and we want to help combat these issues with the help of our communities and team members. Sega and its studio will be making donations to worthy causes that align with this statement. In addition, we will be matching donations made by our employees. I thought this was really good for Sega to put out this type of statement. You know, this is a Japanese company, but here in the United States, Sega is still a huge, huge name, especially obviously when we think about Sonic. Um, so I'm glad that they put out um, some sort of message uh, mentioning the black community. I think that's kind of something a lot of these companies, that's, that's kind of one way that you can tell how someone's kind of sitting on that fence when they either don't say anything about uh, black the black community or they refuse to, to even say black lives matter. I feel like that's kind of them sitting on that fence post. So when we think about that message I was talking about from Donald Mustard, you kind of notice that he never ever, you know, uh, talks about the black community. He never even says those words. And that's the equivalent of just like remaining completely neutral. Um, which I think is just, you know, it's, we're, we're way past that point. I think you can't be neutral, um, on this issue, uh, house house, which is the team behind untitled goose game, complete solidarity with everyone across the U S protesting against systemic white supremacy in the face of police violence. We donated $10,000 to be split amongst six, 60 plus community bail funds and mutual aid funds, abolish cops, black lives matter. Very powerful statement. From House House, which was the team that made Untitled Goose Game. Double Fine, which is the team behind Psychonauts. I really like this message for a few reasons. Number one, <clears throat> part of the statement read, Our message is simple. Black Lives Matter and the systemic oppression, disenfranchisement, and murder of black people in America must end. They are also one of the few companies that um, uh, included the names of a lot of uh, people that were murdered by police. Michael Brown. Uh, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Oscar Grant, Ahmaud Arbery, Sandra Bland, Khalif Browder, Philando Castile, Tony McDade, Botham Jean, Eric Garner, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Say their names, remember them. These are only some of the countless people whose lives were destroyed by police violence and racism. It is not sufficient to be not racist. We must all be anti-racist. Um, and along with that statement, they donated $12,000 to Black Lives Matter, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and the Color of Change. So I want you to think about that message that I just uh, read out and realize that that's from Double Fine, the team behind Psychonauts. <clears throat> when you realize that the power of those words and that message and how strong their stance was compared to some of these other companies, you realize um, that even though these companies are so much larger than Psychonauts, um, you realize just how little they've actually said in comparison 
to the stance that Double Fine has taken. Uh, the game company, excuse me, that game company, which is the team behind Flow, Flower, and Journey, uh, that com- game company condemns the uh, aberrant racism and violence experienced by Black Lives Everywhere, which have led to the wrongful deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and David Mikati, and many other facing brutality. $20,000 to Black Lives Matter and the NAACP. I realize that they include the name of David Mikati. This is a person, unfortunately, uh, because of the way the news cycle runs, um, not that name has not really been uh, spoken lately, or it should be spoken a lot more. Um, he was shot in the midst of the Minneapolis riots where police claimed that they heard gunfire. They fired into a group of protesters where David McAtee was not only struck and killed, um, his body was left in the street for 12 hours, um, which is obviously awful. Um, so it's, I think that co- game company was the only company that actually um, said his name. Devolver Digital, the individual employees of Devolver Digital and the company itself have donated $65,000 in support the Black Lives Matter movement through the link below. We urge industry peers and partners to donate as they are able. Uh, Square Enix. Everyone at Square Enix's offices and studios across the globe stands with our black community in the fight against racism, prejudice, and hate. They pledge $250,000 and will match employee donations to support the Black Lives Matter organizations and other charities in the effort to help, excuse me, in the effort, in the effort to help combat racial injustice and positively affect change in the world. Um, Square Enix has over 4,600 employees, and in 2019, they reported revenue over $2 billion, which makes their 250000 pledge a little over 0.01%. Um, Ubisoft is the next uh, uh, name of, on our list. The killing of George Floyd and the systemic racism faced by the black community is deeply disturbing and painful. We believe in liberty and equality and stand in solidarity with black team members. Discrimination, exclusion, and prejudice are things we should all work to change. We stand in solidarity with black team members, players, and the black community. We're making a $100,000 contribution to the NAACP and Black Lives Matter and encourage those who are able to to donate. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. This is one of those uh, instances from a company where their statement is 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 really strong in terms of setting a solidarity, um, talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about the systemic racism that Black people face in our country uh, and around the world. Uh, this is one where I felt like the contribution did not match the words at all. Over sixteen thousand employees in Ubisoft, and in two thousand eighteen, they reported a revenue of over one point nine billion dollars. So their one hundred thousand dollar pledge was a little over 0.005% of that. Um, and just a reminder that Ubisoft is the second biggest um, video game company in Europe, the second biggest uh, publisher, only second to CD Projekt Red. Um, and as I said earlier, CD Projekt Red um, donated nothing, um, but they are the top uh, company um, in Europe um, in terms of valuation. Um I really wish that Ubisoft um, had contributed a little bit more, especially because um, France has had some of the biggest protests outside the U.S. For those who don't know, the murder of George Floyd has brought back the name of Adama Traori. I hope I, I, I pronounced that right, into the spotlight, who died in police custody in France. Initially, police claimed that he had died of heart failure. Later, French prosecutor Yves Janier said Traori's death was caused by a serious infection which impacted several organs. But an autopsy indicated that the cause of death was asphyxiation. 
According to police documents, three police officers admitted to throwing their weight on him. In a video, I, I personally saw Adama's older sister, Asa, I hope I, I said that right, it's spelled A-S-S-A, says Adama took the weight of three policemen on him. George Floyd took the weight of three policemen on him. They had the same words, I can't breathe. Um, so with Ubisoft being based in France, I, I, I think um, you know it was only appropriate for them um, to donate a lot more and you know, maybe speak about some changes that they can make in France and some impact that they can have in France. Like I said, if you're the second biggest company, video game company in all of Europe, um, I'm sure there are people that you can talk to in order to get um, some changes made uh, across that country. And just to uh, make a note, Ubisoft contributed $100,000, but in 2019, Ubisoft donated $564,000 to help rebuild the Notre Dame church. So um, once again, it kind of shows you, um, I've, I, I kind of was saying this all last week, you know, if, 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 if a building, if a target being burned um, makes you angrier than what happened, um, if Nintendo New York's window being broken was the first thing you said on Twitter about what's happening uh, throughout all the week and you say completely quiet, then, I think at some point you kind of have to ask yourself that question. You have to have that conversation as to why uh, a building is 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 more important than um, than a man that was murdered in the street and everything else that's happening. Um, Pokemon on June first, Pokemon tweeted a video of a black Pokemon character. Sorry, I don't play Pokemon. I don't know who he is. Fist bumping Ash, uh, and then that was it. And then they were quiet. And then on June third. Uh, they put out a statement saying, we stand in solidarity with our black employees, fans, and families who continue to be impacted by systemic racism and senseless violence, uh, which ends with, quote, we believe that black lives matter. 100000 to the NAACP, 100000 to Black Lives Matter. Uh, so so $200,000 total. In 2018, they reportedly generated close to $3 billion in revenue, which will make the $200,000 donation a little over 0.006% of that. Um and just a reminder that Pokemon is the most valuable and highest grossing media franchise in history, reportedly valued at over $100 billion. Uh, Take-Two, Take-Two Interactive. Um, so uh, let's talk about their subsidiaries, starting with 2K. Actually, before we talk about the subsidiaries, just a reminder that Take-Two Interactive is valued at over $16 billion. Uh, 2K, increased funding for... Um, this is their quote, increased funding for our 2K Foundations program by an additional $1 million and expanding its mission to help fight racial injustice and inequalities in black communities across the globe. Black Lives Matter. The 2K Foundation exists to invest in the communities and people that inspire us with their talent and enthusiasm. In turn, we take action to motivate the next generation and provide them with the resources to excel both in their community and in the classroom. Um, in NBA 2K20, uh, players had access to three new free shirts, one that said Black Lives Matter, another said I Can't Breathe, and a third that said Say Their Names. Players were actually staging in-game protests in 2K. Um, Rockstar. Rockstar is uh, another huge subsidiary of 2K, of, excuse me, of Take-Two. During George Floyd's memorial service on June 4th, Rockstar Games shut down the GTA Online and Red Dead Redemption Online servers for two hours. And a follow-up tweet asked fans to donate to various groups supporting protesters, black-owned businesses, and the victims of police brutality. Uh, NBA 2K Dragon City and Monster Legends also shut down servers during the same two hours. Um, when 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 Rockstar first tweeted about this, I was kind of 
concerned because Rockstar was was had remained very very quiet. Um, and at first, I I responded to this like, wow, this this is pretty big to shut down your online server for two hours. I mean, would I want to see one in two hours? Of course. Um, they definitely lost a lot of money during those two hours. But what I liked about this gesture that they made along with uh, NBA 2K is that it was the core definition of a protest. It's, it's a disruption. And what was funny is that a lot of people in under the tweet were saying, "How does what does this accomplish for you to stop people from playing your video game? And my thought process was simple. It's a disruption. It it the purpose of this is um to get you to listen and 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 to talk and partake in in this conversation that's happening around the entire world right now, um, and not worry about a uh, a video game. Um, I just sort of wish, and I sort of feel like they should have done. A heck of a lot more, especially coming from Rockstar Games. Rockstar Games has historically some of the strongest black characters in video games, whether that's CJ from Grand Theft Auto V, you know, even thinking about Officer Tenpenny, even thinking about, uh, you know, uh, Franklin from the latest uh, Grand Theft Auto, you know, um, the the other Grand Theft Autos, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Um, Valley of Gay Tony started a Hispanic man. Vice City Stories was a black Hispanic man. So, you know, Rockstar has used their games uh, to give something that most companies do not do, which is an African-American or colored lead of a video game. So I kind of wished to hear a heck of a lot more from Rockstar Games about everything that was happening. But that two hour disruption uh, was all that we got. Um, Electronic Arts, they said, we are in the midst of a global outcry for change. The pain and anger over the senseless and tragedy death of George Floyd at the hands of law enforcement and so many others before him is driving some of the largest demonstrations in decades against the systemic racism present in the U.S. Importantly, yesterday our African-American slash black employees came together in the first of several conversations we are holding over the course of next week. Tomorrow, the executive team and I are meeting with the leadership of our black electronics arts teams employee resource group to discuss our path forward as individuals, as a company, and as a community working towards change. They also announced we're contributing $1 million to organizations dedicated to the fight for racial justice in the U.S. and against discrimination around the world. Beginning with the Equal Justice Initiative, the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, and with more partners to come, we're deepening our support of organizations working to stop systemic racial justice. And that was a part of their statement. Uh, EA reported over $5 billion in revenue in 2018, making the $1 million donation about 0.02% of that. Uh, they also mentioned we're launching a new program to give everyone in the company an additional paid day each year to apply to volunteering in your community. With all of our employees around the world that will represent more than 75,000 hours applied to the change we can make. In the coming days, we'll share a list of volunteer activities focused on fighting racial justice, racial injustice, most of which can be undertaken from home while still following pandemic health guidelines. Um, Black Lives Matter, Racial Justice Matters. We've, we've long held equality, inclusion, and diversity at the center of our beliefs of electronic arts. Let's stand together, act together, and drive change together. And this final initiative I thought was very, very important. There were one of only, I think, 
three companies on his list that acknowledged this. EA said, then on June 19th, we will celebrate the Juneteenth holiday with an additional company-wide volunteering day and participate in forums and virtual activities organized by our Black Electronics Electronic Arts team. And um, as I said, they were one of only, I think, three companies to bring up um, Juneteenth, which is an American holiday that is kind of slowly growing in popularity every year in terms of something that we should recognize. Um for those that don't know, on June 19th, 1865 is when the Emancipation Proclamation um, was, I, I believe it was signed or it was uh, read to enslaved African-Americans in Texas by Gordon Granger. So one of the first days that that Emancipation Proclamation was recognized. And that's the reason why uh, there's a celebration of June 19th or some call it Juneteenth. Um, very, very strong statement from EA. As I said, that $1 million donation, yes, it's only 0.02% of uh, what they uh, their revenue in 2018. But this is why it's important for you as a company to be very, very thorough on what you, not only what you have to say, how important it is for you to be very, very thorough and clear on what your stance is about what's happening in America. And then talking about, well, what are we doing as a company to better ourselves? So given that extra day for volunteering, the fact that you as a company um, we'll begin to recognize and celebrate the Juneteenth holiday. Those are very, very good initial steps from EA. Moving on to Warner Media, that's the parent company of Warner Brothers Interactive. Uh, they oversee studios such as Warner Brothers Games, Avalanche, NetherRealm, which makes um, Mortal Kombat, uh, Rocksteady, which is the team behind Batman. Um, so Warner Media kind of put out a statement for. Um, all their companies they said on june 4th the company gathered together for an internal conversation about racism empathy and our initial steps to take action um three guests joined ceo jason kalar and chief enterprise inclusion officer christy Hallberger, dr robin d'angelo uh, the author of white fragility why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism cnn's van jones and cnn legal analyst laura coates so warner began by uh uh, bringing their company together to hear from other people about what's happening, which I thought was pretty, pretty, really great. In that meeting, a dozen black colleagues share their experience. Um, quote, like many companies, we donate to partner organizations and programs engage in social justice work. We write checks and yet racial injustice persists. This moment teaches us that money is only a part of the, of the solution. Um, Along with that, they're dedicating on-air inventory to color of change in NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, they said they're taking an additional step to help more black and underrepresented creators break through by expanding our content innovation program 150 with an additional $500,000 to seed issue-focused creative ideas from communities who often go unheard. Um, and they talked about all these other initiatives such as making the film Just Mercy free for digital rentals, some HBO programs. Um, they had this really, really good um, program where Sesame Street joined CNN as a way to help parents um, talk to their kids about what's happening, which I thought was really, really good. Um, so Warner Media obviously taking a lot, a lot of steps um, in terms of everything that's happening. And I think the most important part of that statement was this moment teaches us that money is only a part of the solution. Um, I think we got two companies left. Riot Games. Um, that company's net worth is estimated to be around $21 billion. 
through our so- so- social impact fund, we are committing a million dollars to make progress within these focus areas, starting with an initial contribution to the Innocence Project and the ACLU. These contributions are in addition to our donation matching program, where we match up to $1,000 per employee. Uh, we are proud of our history of working with founders from a variety of backgrounds. We'll continue to do so with a new program aimed at deploying $10 million towards investments and startup programs focused on founders underrepresented in the games community. They're establishing a partnership with Florida A&M and universities to support the development of a curriculum to prepare future software engineers who have an interest in pursuing a, game, a career in gaming. They're launching a $50,000 scholarship through Thurgood Marshall Scholarship a Fund to support black students with an interest in game development. Um, and they mentioned they're continuing their investment in various educational programs like Girls Who Code, Urban TXT, Reboot Representation, and Code 2040. On the anniversary of the emancipation of slaves, Juneteenth, we'll be hosting a day of conversation on race so that all of us can get comfortable talking about an uncomfortable issue. So, Riot Games, we've spoken about them here in, in, in um, on this podcast about uh, their, their lawsuit uh, based upon the way they've treated their female employees and the type of work environment that they um, have cultivated. Uh, obviously, a lot of these changes that they're making here, it will be great to have seen them do the same. Um, in response to that loss and response to what was happening, is this is this growth for that company? Is this kind of a one-off thing? Is this something where they're having that reflection of realizing that we can do more? I don't know. Um, but the way that I look at it is in this statement, they did outline a lot of things that they were doing, um, especially uh, recognizing June 19th. So once again, one of the stronger um, responses within our industry Niantic. Niantic is the company behind Pokemon Go. And Niantic probably had the strongest response out of all the companies. Yes, the cell phone company that created Pokemon Go had a much stronger response than a lot of these companies I'm putting on this list. Um, Started with a statement that was released by their founder and CEO, John Hankey. The only, um, they were the uh, one of the only companies that mentioned the names of recent black victim, victims such as George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and Nina Pop. Um, they are donating proceeds from Pokemon Go 2020 Fest ticket sales, which happen next month. They're committing a minimum of $5 million, half of which will go to fund new projects from black gaming and AR creators that can live on the Niantic platform with the ultimate goal of increasing content that represents a more diverse view on the world. The other half going to U.S. nonprofit organizations that are helping communities rebuild. Um, Donating $100,000 to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute and employees matching up to $50,000. Um, their statement reads, black trans people continue to be killed at higher rates than black cis people and non-black LGBTQ plus people. They were the only company on this list that brought up um, any organization um, that deals with, with trans people and obviously with this uh, particular initiative dealing with black trans people um, and just acknowledging the fact that they're killed at higher rates uh, than black cis people. Uh, once again, the only company on this list that brought that up. They are developing a new diversity and inclusion training with a specific focus on allyship training. Uh, I cannot stress this point enough, and this is from John Hankey. It is not the responsibility of the black community or our black employees now to carry the burden of education. It is up to non-black allies to educate ourselves 
and each other. They also upped their commitment to an organization called Treehouse, dedicated to diversifying tech by making education more accessible. They're committed to bring on five UX designers and five QA analysts for apprenticeships and hire 80 through 100% after apprenticeships in terms of people of color. Expanding partnership with GameHead, a nonprofit that teaches kids how to develop games from develop, uh, from beginning to end, providing $25,000 in scholarships, $15,000 for annual showcase, and donating $20,000 to create a new Developing for AR 101 program in Cal State. Niantic employees are normally given four days per year to attend Niantic game events. The company is converting the benefit to what they call flex days and adding a day so employees have five flex days to attend an event or volunteer within their community. They said they are actively working to ensure accountability to all these commitments. We are formalizing our diversity and inclusion council, and we will use the group along with dedicated involvement from senior leadership to ensure accountability. Lastly, we will take a public stance in support of the black community and reject white supremacy, racism, and police brutality, followed by sharing resources and starting ports um, for Niantic employees. Uh, they Final part of the quote said, quote, the heart of Niantic is our community of players. It is imperative that we stand up to support our black trainers, agents, and wizards. We aim to be a force of change committed to the long road ahead of rebuilding a more just and fair system where historical racial divides are, are overcome and where we are all are welcomed, valued, and have a fair chance at success. The first step is overcoming the racism and injustice that prevents members of our community from safely enjoying the freedom and pleasure of a simple walk or run outdoors, Black Lives Matter. Niantic is currently valued at over $4 billion, but their yearly revenue is estimated at $795 million per year, which makes their $5 million donation uh, the highest of every company that I just listed at 0.7%. Um, that was the last company on my list. And I think I left them for last because I wanted to give you the scope of exactly what these much, much bigger companies are doing, especially in terms of thinking about that percentage of their revenue and realizing exactly how much was it um, that each of these companies gave. Um like I said, that 0.7%, I think, was the highest outside of, I think, Sony Music's maybe or Sony's uh, company one. Um, in terms of the percentage that they were given from their yearly revenue. And I wanted to really go through that list just to highlight the fact that, uh, number one, this is not a problem that where money can be thrown and it will be solved. Uh, this is a pro uh, uh, This is an issue that I definitely wanted and expected more companies to realize the internal issues that they have um, and that we have as a video game industry. And um, uh, before we wrap this up, I want to highlight two things that we did not hear from our game industry that um, I felt that we needed to hear. Number one was uh, CEOs within our company leveraging our industry for real, actual change. You know, as of 2018, video games generated sales of over $130 billion annually worldwide. U.S. consumers spend more on video games and home video, cinema, and music combined. A lot of these companies have um, offices here in the United States, 
You know, Rockstar has studios here in New York and San Diego. A lot of companies have studios in California, you know, Santa Monica, uh, San Francisco. You know, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo operate huge campuses outside of Washington, specifically Redmond. Um, So thinking about Microsoft as a company, for example, they are, uh, I think they own the most real estate, (laughs) I think, in the entire uh, I know definitely in, in the city of Redmond, I'm not, I think in the entire state of Washington, actually, they own the most real estate. Their campus is enormous. Um, to put it into perspective, Microsoft has actually even funded highways, has funded public works um, um, for the city to, to, to better the state of Washington. Um, and with all of that comes influence. And I think that was one of the things our industry was was missing out on last week was anyone speaking about um, we are going to meet with our mayor, you know, or someone from Microsoft said we're going to meet with the mayor of Seattle. We're going to we're going to meet with this governor of Washington um, with someone from Take Two or Rockstar saying we're going to meet with, you know, Governor Cuomo of New York. Uh, to speak about these changes that we want to see within this city where, you know, police brutality is rampant here um, uh, in New York City, for example. Um, So that was one thing that we didn't see that was very sad to uh, to hear about. The other thing that we didn't see was not a single company assumed responsibility for the lack of of PLC, Uh, not people of color. I like to call them protagonists of color. And uh, not a single game company pointed the finger at themselves and said, this is probably a good time for us to realize how rare it is to see a protagonist of color in a, in a, in a, uh, in a video game. You know, I actually um, started scrolling through some lists. The last time Activision published a game with a uh, protagonist of color was in April 2013, which was Juan Aguacate from Guacamele. <laughs> and uh, the last time a black protagonist of color, meaning, and what I mean by this, meaning that there was a black person or a person of color on, on, the, on the cover of that game, and that was the main character that you control. That was Prototype 2, James Heller. That was in 2012. We're talking about over seven years. It's been over seven years since Activision had a protagonist of color. EA. March 2015, Nicholas Mendoza, Battlefield Hardline, that, that battlefield that no one even <laughs> remembers. Uh, 2K was, was more recent, Mafia 3, October 2016. Ubisoft has actually had a couple of protagonists of color. 2017, Bayek from Assassin's Creed Origins, Marcus from Watch Dogs 2. They also had um, that female assassin from Assassin's Creed Liberation, which I think came out on Vita. Uh, Microsoft had zero. Um, if someone would like to correct me on our Twitter and say, Joel, you're wrong. I could not find a single one from Microsoft. And what I mean specifically, I'm being very, very, uh, let me be very clear. Crackdown does not count because when you start crackdown, you don't have to play as a, as a black agent, right? You can choose to play as a different protagonist, uh, uh, change the agent. I'm talking about a person of color on the cover. And they're the main character of the game. The closest that I could find was actually t- they published Dead Rising 3, which features a Spanish protagonist. Nintendo is another one. Zero. Nintendo doesn't have one. Obviously, we know that Nintendo deals a lot with um, uh, fantasy characters. 
Um, the closest that I could find was 2006. That was Agent Morris of Elite B Agents. If you, if anyone remembers, there was a black Elite B agent. I guess sort of technically, if you want to go into technicals, I guess that one counted. Uh, Sony is none. So within Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, the three hardware manufacturers of our industry, there's not a single protagonist of color. Uh, the closest that Sony got is Riley from The Last of Us expansion, Left Behind, but she is not playable. Uncharted Lost Legacy um, had Nadine Ross, but she was also not playable. She was introduced in Uncharted 4, and she was actually voiced by Laura Bailey, a white woman who was also BAFTA-nominated for her performance. According to Laura Bailey, she did not know that the character was a black woman. She was just told she, she had a South African accent. Um, she did not know what the character looked like um, when she, after she recorded the voice and was shown a photo. So whoever wants to, wherever you want to place the blame, it doesn't matter to me. I just, I, I didn't know this until I was researching the story and you know, plain and simple, that's just unacceptable. I'm sorry, but the fact that um, you're talking about coming from a, a, a published by a company that doesn't have a person of color, it's very, very rare seeing a black woman in a video game, especially one that you can control, which, once again, you cannot control her. Uh, and then just the thought of you being a young black girl or a black woman um, playing a video game and finally be able to see a, a black woman um, and then to find out she was voiced by a white woman is just it's just awful um i think the closest actually that sony has gotten was delson Rowe from infamous second son who is um uh native american so I, you know native american is probably even a lower rate that we see native americans than, than black people uh in video games um, but yeah, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, uh, none. There are no black protagonists. As I said, the closest of all three would be Sony when it came to uh, Delson Rowe being Native America. One, one of the funniest parts uh, that I found when I was doing research was, I don't know if some of you remember a, an old Sony game called Africa, where you take take pictures in the African safari, um, but you can't even be a black person in that game. You have to choose from a white woman or a white man. Uh, there is a black person that I saw in that game, but he's all he can do is drive the truck. He, he can't uh, he can't take photos, and um, we're not gonna go too much in, in, into this just because we we just really don't have a lot of uh, time. I mean, this is already the longest podcast um, I have done, um, but this is something that's obviously is is a a bigger issue within our industry than even I even myself recognize. You know, I began this story with a simple objective. I wanted to talk about what was it, what was it that our industry did during this time uh, of what was happening around, not even just our country, but around the world. And in the midst of doing research for this, for this story, I realized that we didn't do nearly enough. It was, it's not even close to what this industry has done. Not even just into the, uh, amount of money that was given once again money is one thing that does not equate actions the fact that most companies and the biggest publishers and developers that we recognize in our industry did not point any fingers at themselves they really didn't talk about any initiatives to change um to change their companies for the better 
Um, then, then we start looking at the journalism industry of our company. We realize that there aren't enough black voices uh, and and minority voices um, to go around. You know, you realize that there are a lot of companies that had to seek black voices last week because they felt like, oh, you know, maybe we should elevate some black um, people in our industry. And they had to go outside of their company in order to bring people in. Um, and then just look at the games themselves. There's obviously not enough representation um, in our industry for for um, for people of color. And, um, you know, I feel like that's like a story in and of itself. Um, talking about the fact of how many video game characters um, are photorealistically a person of color, but they're not voiced by a person of color. Uh, the fact that... Um, so many, um, you know, uh, companies within our industry that, that are journalists um, don't really have many voices of color. So, as I said, my answer, and I guess you can kind of deduce your own answer based upon everything I said um, in this podcast. But my answer is, or, or my thought process is that this company, this this industry that. Um, I love and I've played video games for over 20 years. Um, when the time came for them to respond and step up, um, they really did not do nearly enough um, in terms of the type of change that our industry needs. Our hot releases, actually, you know what? We're not even... I'm going to go through the hot releases. We're not going to go over wrap it up because we just really don't have. Um, I'm already way over time, obviously. Uh, June 9th, we have Jump King coming to PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Project Warlock. PS4, June 11th. Switch gets it June... Excuse me. Uh, Project Warlock for PS4 is June 9th. Switch will get it June 11th. And Xbox One will get it June 12th. Elder Scrolls Online, Graymore Expansion, PS4, and Xbox One. June 11th is Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection for PC and Samurai Showdown, uh, the one that came out last year, is finally coming to PC. And then June 12th, there's apparently a Goosebumps game, Dead of the Night, coming PC um, and Xbox One. Um, and that's it for our show. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to skip wrap it up just because we, we honestly don't even have time to talk about We've already spoken about um, uh, so much. Um but I wanted to close out the show with with uh, two thoughts. Number one is the importance of having a conversation with yourself during this time. Um, it's It's been very unfortunate to be a person within this industry. And obviously, look, when I created this podcast, I said to myself, um, I don't see me in this industry. Like, I don't really see many people of color, especially at the highest stages of coverage for our industry. And that was one of the reasons why I started this podcast. It's been very disheartening to see a lot of white journalists that I, that I follow. Um, I follow because I want to, some of them I follow because I have to, in terms of, you know, they are the people inside of that room that have access to the information I need to disseminate it, uh, amongst my, my Twitter, or just to even just talk about it. Um, it's really disheartening to see those white journalists remain completely quiet. And I will say with everything that's happening right now, 
it's just a fact. You know, if you're quiet, you are complicit to everything that's happening in this country. I do feel that there are um, white journalists out there within our industry that I feel like they remain quiet partially because they don't feel like it's their problem, maybe. Uh, they don't feel like it's something that they deal with on a daily basis or ever in their life. Have they ever had to fear for their life when being stopped by a police officer or have ever had their rights violated by a police officer? And this has been really disheartening to see, especially a lot of journalists have these huge platforms that are able to affect a lot of change, um, just remain completely quiet. And... Um, I say that if you've been completely quiet, I, I ask that you have that conversation with yourself or if, you know, I always say that if you if you tweet something, you tweet it because you had an emotional response. Um, something was so funny you had to share it so someone else can see it. Um, or something got you so angry that you just had to say something. And there were a lot of people that were tweeting and angry about Sony moving their date. Tweeting and angry about Fortnite delaying their season. Tweeting and angry about Nintendo New York's window being broken. Um, but they were not tweeting in anger about the murder of George Floyd or the vast amount of police brutality that we've been seeing this week. Um, and I think that's a question that you need to ask yourself. Why am I more angry about not being able to see a $500 box that comes out this year compared to everything else that's happening um, around this country. And I think the second thing that I want to leave um, anyone listening with is to remember uh, that hate is taught. And it doesn't matter what you were taught when you were young. It doesn't matter what your viewpoints are from your, from your parents. Realize that they were taught and their parents were taught um, to hate people just for the color of their skin or be afraid of people just for the color of their skin. Um, remember that that chain can be broken. At some point within your generation, someone um, has to break the chain and I implore that someone to be you and to get uncomfortable and have those uncomfortable conversations with your family and, and tell them that you are wrong. You know, this is what's happening in the country. This is not a matter of opinion. You know, uh, as, as I think it was, was it double, double Fine that said it? You know, it's not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Um, and I implore anyone out there that's listening to um, understand that change is really hard to look at change when you think about it on a grand scope. So I always implore people to change to, to, to think about change and change in the smallest scope. So if there's a person that you follow on Twitter, if there's a friend or a family member that responds to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or you know anything that you know in your heart is the wrong side of history, I implore you to get uncomfortable because that is an uncomfortable conversation. I myself have had that those conversations with family members. Um who don't understand what it is to be Dominican and, you know, think that being Dominican and being black is, is, is different. I've had to have those conversations and you know what? They are uncomfortable, but I implore you to have those conversations because those changes are very, very important. It's very, very important 
to get people, especially your friends or family, onto the right side of history. So I implore people to um, reach out to their friends and family because you are the person that they will listen to the most. And that's it for our show. Thank you guys. For anyone who listened to it, I know this is the longest show that we've done on Camp Koji. Um, but I, I, I really hope that you listened to it. I really hope that you took a lot away from it. Um, and, and my hope is that you know you'll, you'll maybe you learned something here that, that, that you'll, you'll, you'll share with someone else in order to, to get them to change their point of view on, on what's happening or even if they're a gamer to change their point of view on exactly what it was that our um, industry did um, during this time. Thank you guys so much. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kenkoji for future updates. Once again, I'm Joel. I will see you next week.